What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington. And I'm Barry Horn. Simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. I am Barry Horn. Uh, we really sounded bored when you said that. I, and I, you know what? I would be too. Because if, we, I, were, if we, I had to say I'm Barry Horn, I would be extremely we, bored. We, we, this is our sec- <laughs> we'll pull back the curtain a little bit. This is our second podcast of the day. We have the great John Machota here, who is back from the Combine in Indianapolis. Yes, he is. But this is our second podcast of the day, yep. and after the first podcast was over, if I wanted to be yelled at the way I was yelled at by you, I would have stayed home. Okay? <laughs> you, let me just tell everybody why I was like that. Because last night, when we were setting this up and we were getting John Mishota to come on this podcast, I said, do you want to do John at 10? And you said, make it 10.15. Right. And so then at 10 o'clock... You said, okay, we got to wrap it up because we got John Machota coming on. I said, no, he's coming on at 10.15 because you are the one who wanted him but at But you were making all these, all these hand motions at me. I thought you wanted to get off the air, off, no, off the podcast. No. Turns out you wanted me to stop clicking my pen. That's what I wanted. And yeah. then he, when the podcast was over, John, he just, <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it was like being, being in the manager's office uh, with Doug Rader yeah, again. I lit him up. I lit him up. Anyway, John, so the, you were at the Combine, you and Kate Heropolis. Tell us, tell us how much fun was that at the Combine for three days? Uh, it's, I don't think fun, fun is the word. It's, <laughs> uh, it's interesting. It's, yeah. You know, I, I, think, I think from on the outside, you know, I mean, just having my friends that are big NFL fans, they ask me about how, you know, players, workouts are, things like that. We don't get to see any of that stuff. That's Every, every year they get us farther and farther away uh, from where all, all that stuff is going on. So all that's going on inside the stadium. You know, this, is, this was my fourth year covering the Combine. So uh, last year was the first year where they moved it over to the convention center where all the media stuff is. and uh, They do, like, the bench press there and some other things. But it's basically, it's really the media is across the street at the convention center. So... We don't get to see any of the workout stuff like that. We really the advantage of being there is you get a chance to talk to the head coach. Uh, you know, obviously Stephen Jones out there, Jerry Jones out there, and then uh, you know you can get a chance to talk to some of the assistant coaches as they're walking by, things like that. Um, and then you get your, I don't know, ten maybe fifteen minutes with with each player. Um, but even if if you're if you're a team that's drafting in the top five and you want one of these top guys, it's going to be even hard to even get a question because so many people are all trying to talk to that that player as well so i mean i wouldn't say it's necessarily there are some moments that that, it, that it's certainly fun um but it's it's uh i think exhausting would be a better word yeah i, I was just being facetious when i said fun because i knew that was ex- exactly the case you don't have much access to anybody but let me ask you this because uh, uh could the cowboys be influenced by anything that happens in this combine and, and specifically i want to go back to the byron jones pick 
Uh, of course, as we know, Byron just blew out the combine, uh, set records in the in the long jump. Uh, just was a, a, a wonder at the combine. A workout wonder. A we workout call wonder. Him. Yeah. First of all, let me ask you this: Do you think that the, that that combine would they have picked him if it had not been for that his performance there? Um, nah, maybe, maybe not. I, I think a lot of it had to do with just who was kind of there when they were drafting. You know, they were in one of those situations like last year where they were at the back end of the first round. Right. So you're really just trying to get a player that uh, you know might have slipped a little bit that maybe you had a higher grade on than another team. And I just. I don't think that Byron Jones lasts that much longer. You know, I don't think he's a mid-second round guy um, that they jump the gun on or anything like that. If, if he didn't go there, I feel like he goes in probably the next four or five picks. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that obviously helped him. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that stuff helps. But a lot of that stuff that we get to see on TV or when we're talking to these coaches or these players, you know, that really doesn't that doesn't really include what goes on when they actually like meet with members of the staff and you get to find out about the background and also that they're the, the scouting department and, and the coaches, they, they've really put a high grade on what your tape is. So if if he didn't have good, high-quality you know, film from when he was at UConn, they would not have used a first-round pick on him, even if he was a workout warrior. There's a kid right now from Penn State that just tore up the combine yesterday, uh, the safety, um, who uh, just ran a blazing 40, had a crazy 40-some-inch vertical or whatever. And that was a guy going into the combine where – People talked about him possibly not even being drafted, seventh-round pick. Now, that probably helped him get get a little bit higher. But in Byron Jones's case, I, I really felt like Byron Jones would be a late first-round, early second-round pick regardless. Who do, you think, who do you think the Cowboys uh, came away from the combine liking? <laughs> they probably, there's probably a lot of guys. This is what I really think they came away from. I'm sure there's a lot of guys that they like that they know. Real, I mean, really, really like combine. I would say guys like Roquan Smith, Derwin James, guys that they probably really enjoyed. They probably think that they would be a nice fit for their team, but then seeing what they did out the combine, know that they've basically been priced out of that market, that there's no way that those guys are falling to 19, not that you thought they would be before. Another guy would be even the Kelvin Ridley from Alabama, who's the top receiver in this class. Um, he just he's not. There's no chance of, of him going to 19. So um, now I'm sure there's guys that they like, and you know that maybe they had a fourth round grade on and maybe they're moving them up to third or maybe even the second round things like that um but i just i was interested i asked derwin james i asked him you know about these cowboys fans that you know already have these edits on social media where he's already got a cowboys uniform on and what he thinks about it and you know how these guys these guys are coached up to just give you some real bland boring answers i mean they're it's the, the whole combine thing these guys they're not going into this blind they know exactly what they're getting they're being prepped for this and his answer was straight up i'm not going to be there at 19. Uh, so if they want me, they're going to have to come up and get me. So to get a guy like Derwin James, who I think would be a perfect fit for this defense because he can play safety, come up and play some linebacker. He just the numbers he put up were were almost it was scary how similar they were to Earl Thomas, and Earl Thomas is four inches shorter. Um, yeah, he's a guy say, he's he'd a, have to climb up to ten. Yeah, and, he's a, he's a big and, and guy. To climb up to ten, you'd have to go up to your first and second round pick. Yeah, I, you know what. Um... And they, and of course, that brings up the point about the picks they have. They have some uh, compensatory picks. They have as uh, high as a fourth now, and they added, I guess, what a six and a seven. And then there's there's four in all, aren't there? Compensatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They added four. I think there's a fifth in there too. Yeah. You know what? Uh, if because I think this team sorely needs a safety, as we know, Byron Jones is going to Jerry confirmed that at the combine that they're going to move him back to cornerback, which I think is a good idea. 
and uh, I don't think he's made much of an impact at safety. I think he's just to me he's just he's better built to play corner. Um, I, I, this team really lacks a, a, a big time safety, and Derwin James looks like a big time safety. Correct. And and I you know he's he's as big as as uh, Darren Woodson was. Uh, you know, and of course Darren played. Uh, linebacker in college, and that was a different time and more of a box safety. But this guy could make that kind of impact. And you know what? If I was going to get him, if I was sure I was going to get him by making that trade, uh, I'd think about it. Uh, I, I think you know, gonna, you know what would happen, though, Kevin? What's that? Is that people will come back and they'll say to you, they'll go, oh, well, yeah, the Cowboys thought that same thing when they went out and got Morris Claiborne and traded their first and second for that. Look how that worked. Yeah, oh, I, compare it apples to apples, and you can't, but that's what's going to happen. Oh, uh, Absolutely, but you know what? You can't care what people are going to say either. You know, you got to just do what's right for your team. Now, I'm not saying that's what you do. I'm just saying that, it, it, listen, if let's say, because uh, you talked about Calvin Ridley too, and, and uh, it, nobody thinks he's going to get past the Bears, you know, at, at eight, I guess, is the Bears' pick. Um, and, and that might be so. And I, and I wouldn't trade up into the top ten because I think it is going to really cost you to get – it might be really difficult to do that. But, you know, if uh, – let's say it gets down to 12 or 13, and one of those guys is there. One of those guys is a real difference maker. Not only is he a, a great player and maybe the, and the best at his position, because certainly James is the best safety by far. Mm-hmm. Ridley might be the best receiver by far. Uh, if you're going to get the best at one of those positions by far in this draft – and, and they just so happen to also be positions of need for you, which is not what you're drafting for, but that's certainly a nice bonus, then, uh, then I start thinking about it. And if one of those guys drops to 12 or if it gets down to that point, which, as you said, I don't think it will, but if it did, then you've got to start making some phone calls, I think. Well, and the other thing is, is that it's, when they grade their board before the draft starts, um, you know, these drafts rarely have – you know, 25, 26 first-round grades by these teams. A lot right. of these drafts, only teams only have, you know, 14, 15, 16 guys. And I, I just really look at this draft and think that that's probably what's going to happen here. There's still a lot to go. I mean, there's still the individual visits. guys. You know, I mean, heck, the Cowboys brought their whole staff up to Ohio State a couple years ago when, you know, Joey Bosa and Ezekiel Elliott were there. There's a lot still to go, don't get me wrong. But I just, I don't know, I just got the feeling here and then from talking to people out there, in Indy that this might be one of those drafts they might only have 14 or 15 guys that even are a first-round type grade. Now, the chances one of them sliding to 19 is possible, but it just seems it seems unlikely. Yeah, so I, you, I agree. You mentioned Calvin Ridley. What about Cortland Sutton? Did he, SMU, the SMU wide receiver, did, did he make an impact up there? You know, I didn't, I didn't see, I, I mean, I saw his 40 time, and then for his size, it, it, it's solid. Um, he doesn't have, he's not, Kelvin Ridley in, in, in that sense, but he's got the crazy, you know, God-given height and, and athleticism that it's just it's rare to have. So, um, you know, I, I would probably put, I mean, from everything that has been talked about out there, he's probably, I don't know, probably the third, fourth, fifth, somewhere in there, probably closer to fourth or fifth best receiver in this place. I think what, after the combine, a lot of people are saying is Kelvin Ridley's one, uh, the kid from Maryland, D.J. Moore, is He's just really had a great combine, worked himself up to number two. And then three is probably Christian Kirk uh, from Texas A&M, who obviously was just a beast on the team that really there was an outstanding quarterback play. So that was uh, – and then Cortland Sutton's right in there after that group. I mean, the size is there now. I just don't know if he's ready to contribute and be a, a number one wide receiver right away. He might take uh, a little bit of time. But uh, uh, in talking to him, he sounds like – I mean, he's a, he's a really bright kid, a lot of great answers. It seems like the type of guy that – you know, Jason Garrett would like. Um, 
but he wouldn't be a guy that I would see them taking at 19. You know, I loved Christian Kirk at, at, at A&M. Yeah, I loved watching well, him I, play. Too. He, he's, but, what, but he's an itty-bitty, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's my problem with Christian Kirk is that, listen, I, I thought like, someone asked me in one game, what, who's the key to this, you know, of, of a, one of their games? And I said, it's Christian Kirk. they got to get him the ball. If they could get – the more they got him the ball, the better off they were. Uh, not only is he a terrific player, you know, of course he's a return man too. Right. But he's also a great kid, you know, just a, just a great kid, you know, a, a team player all the way. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you love a guy like that. But he's like, I don't know, 5'9", maybe, 5'10", uh, maybe. I don't know. I, it, and that's awfully small for, to me for a, for a guy you would be targeting as your number one receiver. I agree. Uh, I think he'd be an unbelievable slot receiver. I just, I just don't know if he can, if he can be that. And especially when you're trying to make this club more Dak friendly, right? Uh, this is a guy. You got a quarterback who's not terribly accurate. You need a, you need to catch the receivers that have the biggest catch radius possible. Which is why I brought up Cortland Sutton, who is six four and a legitimate six four, I think. And I, and uh, and I was watching the combine the other day. And uh, and Mike Mayock, who I think does a great job, uh, was talking about uh, him, and he said he reminds him of Alshon Jeffrey. That's what he he makes that comparison a little bit with uh, Cortland Sutton, which wouldn't pretty, be bad. No, that's pretty good. So uh, anyway, so uh, so let's, the problem the problem with it though, I feel like if they were to draft him, let's say they did take him at nineteen, yeah, you know, it would be one of those things where people would be talking about how well he'd be their their number one, you know, saying let's say they move on from Des, and I just. That's a lot of pressure to put on a kid right away um, that, like, you know, we need a number one receiver. We grabbed him at 19, ready, go. I don't know if he's necessarily ready for that yet. No, no I, don't, I don't know either. That's, that's a great point. And that's, a, that's kind of what we were just talking about uh, here. And I think that's an interesting concept that, that you know, a few years ago, uh, you didn't really think about it. All you think about is that, okay, you're trying to get the best player you can get in the first round. But then when then you really found out that this is the way teams look at it, like they're just you know there's just 24 first round talents really that those other guys are not, and that's when you for sure start trading out of those positions, you know, and, and, and trading down and, and, and trying to get more draft picks. So uh, if the if the Cowboys have these compensatory picks, um, do you think that Jerry? It was my impression from reading Jerry the other day. That what he was saying was that this puts us in a position uh, to be trading up uh, because they have these extra picks. Other people were were thinking that well, you know, this just means that you can come away with more players. Uh, my my thinking is is that you're going to sign free agents. The Cowboys do an excellent job of uh, of finding free agents. Uh, I think as good as any team in the league, they do a great job of of going out and scouring and finding people like that. I don't think that's the what they need to be doing. I think they need to be using these uh, these picks to think about the possibility of moving up. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I now Jerry, I will say in that answer that he gave about that, he did he did kind of talk out of both sides of his mouth on basically Jerry? saying everything you just said right there. Yeah, everything you just said right there, and that you know he did mention that it gives them extra. He used the word ammo. To make a trade, but then at the same time mentioned how they have been successful at finding these undrafted rookie free agents. And instead of, uh, you know, maybe, you know, he pointed out that, you know, this roster that we could have coming into this next season might have two or three guys like that. Well, instead of waiting until the draft's over and grabbing one of these guys, maybe you get a little bit better player. You draft higher up in the draft because you have 10 picks. I mean, it really is only one additional pick, though, because the last couple years they've had nine. So I, I think that. 
If I had a bet right now, I'd say that they end up trading one of those picks, packaging it with another one and moving up a little bit, um, and they end up with nine again. But I just don't think that that's going to be early on. Where you know, I think it'll be more similar to last year where they put together a couple picks and moved up and took the safety, Xavier Woods, a guy who you know they thought they had a higher grade on, and then once he fell, uh, they were just like, well, I can't believe this guy is still here, so they package a pick from uh, this year with it. And, and that's where I see it. It's more of like the middle to the back end of the draft, as per se, than than moving up from 19, packaging them, and, and, and moving into the top 10 or something like that. We've all been around Jerry enough. Do you think that having the draft here at, at his crown jewel at AT&T Stadium uh, will affect the way the Cowboys draft. I mean, will he will he want to make an impact on 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 the home field on the home court? Will it, will, to to move it's up, cer- it's certainly possible. More than any other owner, I would say that you have to consider that. You know, I mean, I would think that you know, thirty thirty one other teams would say no. Of course not. Right. There's no way that something like that. But you you can't take it off the table with Jerry Jones. No, you can't. And that's why I was thinking about this too. Uh, the the most of the buzz from the combine was about Shaquem Griffin, uh, yeah. the one-handed uh, uh, linebacker and, and from Central Florida, and, uh, and and rightfully so. I mean, what a, what a great story that is, and what a, it seems like what a great kid and, and what, all that he's overcome. Uh, and uh, and I'm, I'm looking at all of that, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, Jerry Jones would love to have this guy. You know, maybe you should love to have this guy on your team anyway. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. I, I think the guy – as I, you know, what you read about him early on in the in the you know the mock drafts and what people were saying was at the very least his floor is that he would he would be your star special teams player for ten years, uh, and that's his floor. So now people are saying, oh, maybe this guy's a difference maker, you know, and and uh, and of course he ran a four three eight in his forty, uh, which is unbelievable, uh, the fastest time in ten years for a linebacker. Um, so I could certainly see. Jerry saying in the second round, uh, you know, let's go get this guy. There is there is a he, history of Jerry in the second round saying let's go get this. No, guy. absolutely, he, he could, but I, I just think that's just too high. I think he's still more of a like like you said. I mean, right now it's special teams player maybe contribute a little bit um, on defense, but that still might not be for a, a little while. I think he's a more of a mid round, maybe you know, late third, fourth, maybe even fifth round type guy. I, I don't think that they would take him as, as high as the second round. I, I would be I would be surprised if any took any team took him in the first two rounds. But now, could they take him in the third? Possibly. I just don't see it in the first two, though. Yeah, he's uh, of course again. You know, he's got to uh, have some things he has to make up for. He has trouble, you know. You can as you can imagine, one of the, one of the scouting reports I read about him said he has difficulty shedding blockers. You know, you can imagine sure. that would be a problem for him. Uh, but you know he's also extremely quick. I could see a team. I could see a team that was playing in a three-four uh, to set him up out there. He uh, he might be better than that because he could rush the passer then uh, a little bit and every once in a while put his hand down and so to speak. Gosh, just lay out, John. Lay out. Let let, yeah, let, let that, that one go. Let that one go. No, listen. He's a he's a terrific story and terrific kid. So I I wish him all the best. Um, so, uh, so who else should we look for? Give me, give me your, your, uh, after the combine now, give me your, your mock draft, your, your top five choices. Can, can I ask a question? Can I, did, I, did I just ask a question? Right, now you're go ahead. Go question. ahead. Ask that question. <laughs> ask the meaningless question. Yeah. I'll have the good one coming up next. Yeah. The, the top five in terms of, I'll give you my, I'll give you my top five overall and then top, top five for the Cowboys. I love top that. Top five overall. I, 
I think it'll be. I think you're going to see the Josh Rosen quarterback from uh, UCLA, UCLA, and then Sam Darnold, the quarterback from USC. Those guys are both going uh, somewhere in the top five, and then also you can lock in uh, Saquon Barkley, yeah. the running back from Penn State, who could arguably go number one, and then uh, the best pass rusher in the draft, Bradley Chubb from NC State. And see, that's what if you know you're a Cowboys fan, that's what sucks. That the, the Giants had this terrible year. And I just, on paper, I don't feel like the Giants are that bad, especially when you get a healthy Odell Beckham back. They're, you know, Dave Gettleman left the Panthers. He's now back with the Giants. He's got a lot of success. Um, I just, I, I would think they're going to, they're going to get either Bradley Chubb or Saquon Barkley. Most likely it's going to be Saquon Barkley. And, uh, and they're just going to be, they're going to be tough to deal with. This who, NFC East is going to be tougher than ever next year. John, who will be the Giants, who will be the Giants quarterback? I, I really think they're going to stick with Eli Manning. I, I really do. I think that, I think that just from being around the conversations Gettleman had at the podium and then after with uh, the Giants media, I, I really feel that uh, they're going to stick with Eli Manning and use this pick on either Barkley or, or Chubb. I mean, a lot can change. There's a lot of uncertainty in this draft. Obviously, nobody thought Patrick Mahomes would go where he went last year. A lot can change. But those four guys are, are kind of who I have locked in early. And then Baker Mayfield's obviously a wild card there. And then the other guy would be Minka Fitzpatrick, who he's going to play some safety and corner. Uh, kid out of Alabama, so that that right there, that group seems like they've kind of separated themselves. And as far as the Cowboys, it's, for me, it's number one is Derwin James. I just if you're moving uh, Byron Jones back to corner, I mean, I like Xavier Woods and Jeff Heath and, and Kayvon Frazier. Those guys are solid, but those guys aren't difference makers, playmakers like elite playmakers like that on the back end, like Derwin James is. And I, you get Chris Richard over from Seattle. Seattle obviously had a couple of beast safeties and Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor on that back end, and instead of talking about how you want to make the, the offense so much more Dak-friendly, you get like Seattle and you start getting dominant on defense and have playmakers all over the field. Dak doesn't have to score, you know, three, four touchdowns a game. They might be able to win games 17-14. So uh, he, he by far is my, is my favorite there. Um, the next couple guys for Cowboys, if you were going to go receiver, obviously Calvin Ridley from Alabama would be, would be great. Um, the D.J. Moore kid from Maryland I think would be uh, an interesting pick there too. And then uh, Roquan Smith from Georgia, the linebacker, uh, just, you know, a freak freak linebacker. I think those guys that kind of separate themselves. And then there's a lot of mock drafts that continue to have them taking a defensive tackle at 19. I just do not see that happening at all. Um, so really, for me right now, even though I just spent a week at the Combine, my opinion doesn't change. I think that I think they either have to trade up or trade out at 19. Yeah, I agree with that. A couple of comments on those guys. You know, one of the, the guys that you've seen in a lot of mock drafts, a lot, has them taking Maurice Hurst, the defensive tackle from Michigan, who did not com, uh, compete in the uh, combine because of a heart issue that came up, uh, which obviously would uh, – I'm sure he's having that checked out, and we hope uh, wish him all the best uh, in that. But uh, it would certainly make that think that's going to make him drop in the draft. And I agree with you. They, you know, they've they've shown all along uh, the, that you know they don't really think that they need to spend that kind of uh, capital on a defensive tackle. And uh, it's funny, you know, you've always heard also that well, you don't want to spend too much on a safety. The last time they drafted a safety high was Roy Williams, who I believe was the fifth pick. Uh, and, Did that work out? Well, you know, at first it was really good. Yeah, for, you know, it, that was before, the NFL was changing. Roy was a box safety. And uh, when and 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 Darren Woodson told me this one time, and I was just shocked. He said that he said that Roy Williams was the best football player he had ever played with, and, and you know that was remarkable to me. But that 
He was a tremendous player when he had Darren back there with him. And then when Darren retired, he was never the same after that. And, and as I said, the NFL was evolving. But I agree with you. To me, uh, if, if Derwin James, uh, I think, has the potential to transform that secondary, and I just think that's really important. I think that this, this is a critical time for this team because they are trying to win right now. They're not trying to build. And I think that with that young secondary, which seems to have a lot of potential, it played, it certainly played very well this year, uh, that they have some good cornerbacks. They, they're just really lacking something on the back end. And, and I think you, we have seen teams and what they do with safeties. We've seen how they've, you know, we saw what Landon Collins did for the Giants secondary. Of course, you saw what, you know, Earl he was Thomas. Pick, he, he was picked after. He was picked after Byron, Byron Jones, Jones, you know, and, uh, and so I think that, you know, the Cowboys don't need to be kicking themselves about that until they see what Byron does and they gave him a, a full time job at cornerback. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I, I agree with you about the Giants. I think that the, they need to stick with Eli Manning. I, I, do, I, I think that defense is. M- you know that's a good defense. I oh, think yeah. I think they just were on the field too much last year, and I think that this. You look at the Giants and people. You know they've got they've had problems in their offensive line, which has been terrible, and they haven't had any running backs. You know they they got very poor running back play. If you could go out and get a guy like Saquon Barkley to me, who is considered you know a, a freakish type of athlete and, and great you know potential as a running back. I think that's what they got to do, and and they and they stick with Eli. And I, I'm not like everybody who thinks that Eli is done. I think that when you look at you take away all your weapons, you don't have a running game, and your and your all your wide receivers are hurt. What do you want him to do? I mean, I don't I don't think he's what he used to be, but I think he's still pretty good. The the other position that a lot of people talk about at 19 is, is guard, and I'm sorry, I just don't. I, I I know that they're looking for a left guard, but I just. I think you got to be set with what you've invested on your offensive line there. And, and if you're going to find that guard in the draft, do it in like the third or fourth round. I just uh, when you already have four Pro Bowl caliber offensive linemen, I mean, I just look at it as can't you just plug somebody that's solid in there? I mean, Jonathan Cooper uh, obviously really not. didn't exactly light up the NFL, and then he came over to the Cowboys and he looked really good. You know, Ron Leary obviously got yeah. uh, paid as one of the highest paid guards in the league because of what he did playing along the offensive line. Can't you just plug somebody in there that's that just solid that doesn't have to be at elite like do you need five elite offensive linemen i don't a lot of these other teams aren't the teams that played in the super bowl don't have five elite offensive linemen i just the idea of guard yeah, there the teams that played that, in the super bowl had guys they could bring off the bench and and plug in yeah. and they could play yeah it's an excellent point uh, it's an excellent point i think they you know of course as we know is we're, that my point or john's point i don't, I don't I know you couldn't have been john couldn't have been yours. No, I I, I I I agree with John. I think that's 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 true. Uh, you know, it's, we still take the best player, but as as we've said, I don't think that you necessarily have to sit there either. I, I and and we I've criticized Jerry in the past for jumping up, jumping back. You know, he's always wanting to do something uh, in a draft. But I can certainly see uh, and justify this. I I just think that. Uh, you you know so I was talking to my son last night and we were talking about the draft and his friends were talking about how they needed to to got to pile up as much talent as possible. You don't want to trade back. And I said, here's the thing you have to remember: five years from now, if a player that you took had been to three Pro Bowls, you know, in his first five years in the league, then you've made a good pick. It doesn't even matter where he plays. You've made a good pick because what you're trying to get is that kind of quality. You can find players to fill holes. What you need to find 
are in that first round are exceptional players, difference makers. And if you get a difference maker and it costs you a couple of draft picks to get him, then you've made the right pick in my estimation. The other problem is that a lot of people treat all these drafts like they're exactly equal. Like there's exactly this many good defensive ends, this, this many good quarterbacks. This, like there's weak drafts. You right. see it throughout the NFL. You see it throughout, you know, the NBA. I mean, every everybody's the pick, pick 19 in this year's draft might not have nearly the value that pick 19 did two or three years ago because it was a deeper draft. So if this is a weaker draft, then 19 doesn't have that same value. So if you're piling up picks later on you're, and just getting average guys that are just going to be solid to, to possible backups, you know, why not package a couple of those together? I'm going to go get somebody that's not only going to be a good starter, but as you mentioned, a, a possible Pro Bowl player for, for several years to come. If there's only a handful of those guys in this draft and you have a chance to go get them, why not get one of those, especially in a team like this that, you know, I mean, I would think that they'd be trying to win right now, uh, especially seeing up what the Eagles just did. Absolutely. So we've had a couple other developments over the weekend, and one of them uh, was yesterday. We believe that uh, that Jerry Jones met with Roger Goodell. I don't know if he actually met with Roger. It's possible he could have met with one of Roger's representatives. Roger's yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have any updates for us on that, John? I think David Moore reported last night that he did meet with Roger an hour and uh, nothing. there was nothing finalized uh, from that conversation. You know, I mean, talking to Jerry on the bus about Roger, he's just he's so laid back. Anytime that he's talked about him around any reporters, uh, you don't feel like there's that, you know, hate for, for Roger that so many of us perceive. But I, I would love to see them behind the scenes because I think Jerry just puts on a show for the reporters because I think behind the scenes, I think he probably gets pretty heated. Uh, these are two guys that are clearly trying to, compete over who's running the NFL. Um, and I, I'm sure that seems absurd to anybody outside of Dallas that even an owner would even do that with the NFL commissioner. But I, I just don't see either side giving in on this. And I just think it's going to be dragged out for a while. And I just, from my standpoint, I, I just don't understand. If it doesn't impact the team on the field, if they're not taking away draft picks, they're not messing, you know, you know taking away money from the salary cap or, or you know, penalizing them in that way, I don't understand why anybody cares about rich people arguing over a couple million dollars because I don't care about that at all. No, I don't either, uh, and I don't, I don't think I care about if if they want, would have given the money to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's here's the issue about that to me is that uh, is that I don't think Jerry Jones understands that everybody is mad at him. That 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 all the other, I saw that Judy Batista's report. Well, they said, how many owners do you think, you know, are, are uh, siding up against Jerry in this? And she said, I think probably about 28, 29, <laughs> you know. So he's only got a couple of owners in his pocket. Uh, and so I think that would surprise Jerry to find that out. And the reason that is that, you know, everybody knows that Jerry made all this money for the NFL and all these other owners, right, ever since he came into the league. Sure. But most of those guys, when he did all that, are gone. This is a whole new breed of owners, and they don't feel like that Jerry owes them or they owe Jerry anything. Uh, so I, I'm not saying that they don't respect him, and I'm not saying they don't think he's smart and with the things he does and about making money. It's just that he can't count on those people to all line up behind him anymore. Well, Jerry jacked up the price that they had to pay for their teams. Yeah, that's true, too. So, it, you know. Yeah, maybe they're still bitter about bitter that. Bitter about that, yeah. Let me ask you this, John. Now, uh, this is the thing that really intrigues me, too. Uh, so what's it like on the bus? You haven't been on the bus? I've not been on the bus. No. During the bus. during the day outside of Lucas Oil Stadium, it's not the same as being on that bus at night when it's parked in front of St. Elmo's. Um, but, I mean, it's 
it's a nice it's your it's just your typical tour bus you know it just it's it stands out uh specifically in indy because uh indy's just a very walkable downtown um so and it's and it's small i guess compared to you know obviously some like chicago obviously and some bigger cities but you can pretty much walk the whole thing. I mean, you don't really need to take any cabs or Ubers or anything like that. It's pretty pretty walkable, but it just seems like everywhere, everywhere you go, you see this bus. And the reason why it really stands out is because, well, all 32 teams are in Indianapolis, but only one of them has this bus like this. <laughs> so it's like when everybody sees it and it's parked, everyone wants to take pictures with it and things like that. But, you know, if you're, if you're from this area, you see it, you know, around the facility all the time, and you really don't think anything of it. But it is interesting because it's just part of the show. You know, it's part of the spectacle of the NFL. Um, it's just these other teams, they're just able to kind of go around Indianapolis kind of incognito, and nobody really knows. But, like, you know where the Cowboys are at all times, Tell- and obviously that's done by design, or you wouldn't drive a bus up from Dallas uh, to be there for the week. So, um, but, yeah, being on this is my, my fourth year doing. Uh, Jerry does this every year where he meets with the local beat writers, and there's about, uh, I think, five or six of us on there. And uh, it's funny because some years it's gone about an hour, hour 15 minutes, sometimes hour half, hour 45. And so when we got on there this time, he's, uh, he, he said that, you know, he had some other business he had to do uh, a little bit later in the day and that he wanted to keep it to about a half hour. Well, of course, you know, that turns into an hour um, with, with uh, some longer answers and things like that. But, I mean, he really, there's nothing that's off limits. Uh, you know, Arcade Heropolis asked him about, you know, what was going on with the Dallas Mavericks and, and how that impacts, you know, the way the Cowboys run their organization. And he was very specific. He didn't want to get into anything revolving around, you know, Cuban or the Mavericks and, and was pretty vague on, on, on his own response. Um, but there's no question where he just says no comment. Where and, and I not that he would be like that if he was standing inside the convention center like other owners, but on the bus, you know, he's, he's in his chair, he's relaxed. Is there, uh, is there a know, bar on the bus? <laughs> there's not there's not it's uh there's not it's really it yeah so what happened is i mean at least one that wasn't out when i, when yeah, I was there's on there, a but, bar on the um it, you, when you first walk in there's there's basically couches on, on on either side um and then there's kind of like a captain's chair in between two of the couches that's where that's where jerry usually sits there's a little table by there too uh you know to, you know eat on or whatever and then there's like a bathroom and then and, and then there's a back half of the bus which is the same deal we're just kind of a Wrap around couches type deal, and uh, and on the very back for some reason I don't know why I noticed it this time, but uh, there's like there's just a huge like printer to like fax machine. I don't know uh, what that was necessarily needed for, but so that was back there. Nobody uses nobody uses fax machines anymore. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I was like, can we just you know, have a Smith no. Corona typewriter back there with too. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't understand that. But uh, the other thing that kind of is interesting too is that. So the pictures, there's, I mean, there's, there's like little kind of displays. Oh, and then everything. There are like flat screen TVs all around. So I mean, we're sitting on there and you're watching the combine go on, like on there. And like Jerry suggested, it would be a great spot to just sit there and watch the whole combine right there on, on the TV. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very nice, obviously. So, but they have pictures in, 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 in frames inside some of these little, uh, not trophy cases, but they're just basically uh, like a little cabinets that have like a couple little pictures here and there. And almost all of them are like. Current Cowboys players, but there's still one Romo picture up in there. So uh, yeah, I'm I don't sure know. there He's is. Just, you can, there's a close, there's a close relationship there. Jerry's not going to let that go. So, um, but yeah, no, really, really nice. Um, 
nothing else that really stood out. Other than uh, here's, here's what I like to think. I like to think about Jerry driving that bus. That he's out there and he's, he's got his tape in. He's got his Willie Nelson tape in there. On the road again. He's, <laughs> he's singing with Jerry as he's, with uh, Willie as he's going down the road. Stephen, Stephen, get up here and sing with your daddy. Come on. I you can just, you I can know just what, see though? that. Okay, again, like, so I've only been down here. I've been down here now seven years, and I can't even imagine Jerry Jones even driving a car. <laughs> I've never seen him drive anywhere. He doesn't drive anywhere. <laughs> they probably don't you let know, him. He, he probably he, had his license suspended. He probably can't. Yeah, maybe, but, I mean, Roosevelt usually drives when I see him, um, you know, in, in a car. And then on the bus, uh, you know, he always has a driver and things like that. I've never seen him drive a vehicle. I don't know if you guys have or not. Oh, I have, yeah. I, I remember back in the, in the old days, he, he would drive. He, he, was, a much, cat, he, drove he was a, a much younger man right. then. Yeah, he, I think he drove a Cadillac, and he, he and Jimmy would park next to each other in the lot. Jimmy would kind of get out of his car and kind of scrape Jerry's car. Yeah, that was a long time ago, pal. That was a long what time ago. What kind of car ago. was Jimmy driving? I think he was driving a Toyota. It no, was like a I think he was driving like a, big, a big old car. <laughs> hey, I just wanted to ask you a question. Uh, I did a little piece. Let me let me take a page out of Kevin's book. I did a little piece the other day that the Cowboys are, are, are going to be on Amazon Prime, a look back at the 2017 season, um, kind of a... Uh, hard knocks, regular season, uh, eight eight episodes. Did we knew that that they were doing that? That was my question. I I, I I talked to the Cowboys and they said they don't think any of the beat writers knew that this was going on. Did you guys? No, that's not true. Uh, you knew you knew it, okay. And I didn't know I didn't know that they were doing this specific show, but it was very evident last year that everywhere they went, there were two or three. Uh, Camera. NFL films mm-hmm. type camera camera crew people that um, they just were always whether it was I really started noticing this went back to when they drafted Taco and he and he came to the facility and I kind of noticed it then and then you start seeing some of these same people on the road a little bit but a lot of times they're following around Jerry too so I was thinking that it might have something to do with a piece that they were going to do about the Hall of Fame. And and then it just kind of you're like ah kind of see them more kind of see them more maybe they're going to keep this going in case, um, you know that it's something that they make a long playoff run or something that they'll turn it into something. But like even with uh, people I'm friends with that work in the organization, um, they really didn't know exactly what it was for. They knew that they were doing something, but they didn't know what it was for. And then the whole idea of like a hard knocks or something like that, I didn't think much of because that's generally you know going on and they're putting it out right at the same time. Um, right. I will say, I, I don't know how interesting it's going to be. I, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing it, but it's like really if they would have been here in, in 2016 and would have got the whole Dak Zeke season, I think that would have been um, special. And then you, and then you release it after that season, and everybody's got these hopes of 2017 of making a Super Bowl run. I think that would have been outstanding. But uh, well, I just I don't know what's really going to be that yeah. interesting but then again you know if they had this behind the scenes access maybe they got some good stuff i'm looking forward to watching right you, you know what the exactly thing is that if i was a beat writer i'd be terrified about this terrified sure. terrified yeah ter- the word terrified were you ever have you been a beat writer in the last don't you, you don't want to go there with me uh but i'd be terrified that there was something would come is, up it, well and now the the team website's going to get this type of a- access anyway right you know like and that's and that's a real game changer. You know, when I'm out at the combine, and I'm talking to a lot of these writers from other papers. You know, they talk about all the time how you know there's so few people that get sent out there anymore because you know I was talking to a guy that covers the the Panthers, and I mean 
when the Panthers first started, I mean, there were people that were covering from South Carolina, all over North Carolina, all these newspapers. And now there's like four or five people out there, and three of them work with the team website. So I, it's like that's the that's the difference. They yeah. have all these team websites, so, and they're going to get unique, you know, coverage of, of this type of stuff. Anyway, that's just the way it is in the NFL. So I, you just kind of learn to live with it. I, I, I don't see anything coming out of this. I, I think. The, oh, I bet the, there will be. Well, I, it might be something. But look, here, here's the thing. You know, as you said, hard knocks is happening. You're seeing it while it's going on, right? So at least there's that going for it, right? But it's the preseason. Well, yeah, but at least you're seeing something like going game. on. Yeah, but it's something. Uh, look back at the, what was the most successful in, in my mind uh, book that someone did on a season was Season on the Brink by John Feinstein. Why was that so successful that season? Because they won the championship. Well, that, that, well the, not, the, not the year university, not the year that they won. They, season on the Brink was the year they won. The well, they, the book came out the year they won. Right, but it, the book was about the year before right. when when Knight was a nut and and throwing stuff around. So you had all of that. You know the the nuttiness of night, uh, and then it came out there. Are you they, saying there won't be a nuttiness of Jason Garrett? No, in there this? won't be any nuttiness of that. But they it came the, out the year the they won the national championship, so the timing was spectacular. If the Cowboys this year start out the season and they and they and they win their first ten games, then perhaps this this thing will. Well, this know, this 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 thing this is coming out before the season starts. It's coming out yeah, before the season. and, and, and I I think don't just. What well, I don't know what the right word is. Don't. Dismiss. Denigrate, dismiss the Cowboys, the, the aura of the magic of the yeah, Cowboys yeah, yeah. around the country. Look, this listen, this, that, this, that, this that magic, that this magic's is, a little bit, that, but it dissipated. is. But the Cincinnati, if this was the Cincinnati Bengals, I, I, I could have. Well, sure, that's just like a hard knock. But, but they don't want to do the that Cowboys, either. The NFL, I'm told, really real. This is the third. Did you even know this series existed? No, no, because they had the Rams. They did the Rams, and who else did they do? John, help me. I didn't. I didn't know that this series existed either. Because right. There's also one that Showtime does with college football teams, and uh, it's more of a hard knocks type thing. And I don't think a lot of people know about that either, that they've done Notre Dame, Florida State, and one other team. Uh, right. So, I mean, going back to your guys' earlier point, it really does matter. If you have success, it'll gain steam. But you look at hard knocks all these years. I mean, I think for one year the Ravens had a really good year after hard knocks was there, but most teams have disappointed. And I think it has something to do a little bit with, uh, you know, this, these crews being around and maybe some guys acting differently because the cameras are around than they normally do. and. You know, I don't know, but I mean, the disaster that the Tampa Bay Bucks were this past year after having hard knocks. I don't see why anybody would want to do that. Well, nobody ever wants to have them there. It's like the league kind of tells them that, that they're going to be there. But I, I, I think Jerry wanted the wanted the. Oh, uh, I think Jerry always the, wants the, it. These, this is NFL. It'll be good. It, it'll be good, and I'll tell you why. NFL films doesn't really do a lot of things that are bad. And this, these are this is it's just, it's just Amazon Prime. It's just the carrier. Just like uh, HBO is a carrier of hard knocks. This is NFL films. NFL films does. But I will say, I was talking to somebody out at the Cowboys the other day about this, and they said, yeah, we get suggested edits. That, really? that, was, that was the language. Suggest, we, can, we can make suggested edits. So there's that. I don't, you know what? I, don't, I bet Jerry doesn't want to edit a lot, though. Jerry's no. smart about that kind of thing. He loves the publicity, and he realizes that it, you know if it's a little bit controversial, that's okay. He, he, he knows mind. people will be watching it. Absolutely. Expect, oh no, no, no! When you that. say edits, yeah. yeah. When you say edits, I picture one human being, and that's Jason Garrett. That's <laughs> yeah. who wants to make the editor is, is Jerry is, is fine what? with anything being out there, as yeah. long as it's not like delving into uh, Ezekiel Elliott off the field and, and things like that, as long as it's about the football team, whether it's arguing in the locker room or something after a loss or something, like, Jerry doesn't care about that at all. Right. Like, he doesn't. I mean, the Johnny Manziel possible draft pick in 2014, I tell people this all the time, is like 
it's something that's completely that he's cooked up as far as I'm concerned, that he really wanted him. <laughs> just so that there's all that interest in, like, oh, they were arguing back and forth, and somebody was grabbing a card out of somebody's hand. It's like, that didn't happen. <laughs> but he likes the spectacle of it. He likes the circus of it. So, no, he was probably fine with anything on there. He wouldn't care. But um, Jason Garrett's the one that was probably like, hey, let's not get all these meetings in here. And let's not. <laughs> when I say this to this guy, can we take that out and maybe just leave the Jim, ending card or something like that? He's the one that's worried. You know, in a past life, Jason Garrett must have worked for, like, the film board or something, the censorship board, and, and he would come to town, and he'd look at the movie and go, oh, we can't have that in there. We, we, we can't show that. We can't show that secretary's ankle there or, or, or something like that because sure. that's that, that's what that's what Jason probably did in those. Uh, in his well, past one life. other thing I wanted to add, though, since we're talking about Garrett, is that uh, it was interesting at the combine seeing him walk around and see other people, other coaches, whether when scouts come up to him and say stuff to him about uh, you know to share their condolences about his dad passing, yeah. obviously yeah. him being a scout in the organization. That Jim was one Garrett. of the more interesting things uh, that you could see you could see around there. I know Barry wrote. Uh, you know, a great story on that about his, you know, how close he was with his dad. You could tell, um, you know, even when he talked about it a little bit in one of the walk-off interviews, he was getting choked up about it. That I just, I have a very strong feeling, not that he would admit to this, I just think that this past week was probably a lot harder for him than any previous week of his, his time coaching the Cowboys. Yeah. yeah, that's true. You know, I only talked to Jim Garrett one time. I did a story on him several uh, 10 years ago probably he couldn't have been a nicer guy uh just and he was a tough coach and he he yeah. he, he, he he's a tough coach but i'll tell you a little a side note to the story last time i did a jason garrett story with with jim garrett i called brill garrett jason's wife and she didn't call me back and the story and she didn't get to me she said and the story ran and she called me after telling telling me that jason was not happy that she did not call me back and oh if really I, and if i ever needed her again Please, please don't hesitate to call, because he, he wanted her input in 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 that story. Yeah. So. Well, you know, uh, and, and I think that he, 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 listen, it's easy in this market. Nobody likes Jason Garrett, and, oh! and, and fans except for Barry Horn. I like Jason. Oh uh, no, but but fans don't like him. He's robotic. He's all that. You know, we know that in real life, he's not that way. That's he's just that way with the media. And uh, and you know, we could say, and uh, as as I have said, that you know, he needs to lighten up and realize what he could do for himself and do for his his team if he would just lighten up a little bit. But he's just not going to. But I'll say this, um, clearly uh, the loss of his father, really the uh, loss of anybody's father hurts. But uh, he was very close to his father, and, and I think he had tremendous respect for him. And, you know, it's a very large family. And, and from, all, from all accounts and just the things you read and things you see about these people, Jim Garrett uh, and his— uh, it, was a tight, it was a large family, but a tight-knit family. Very tight-knit family and a, and a wonderful father and a, and a really wonderful family. And, and so, that's, uh, it's, as I said, it's sad for anybody to lose their father, but especially when it comes from a family like that where he had such a large impact on everybody and such a positive impact on everybody. As Jason Garrett said, what I loved about what he said to him is I've used this on my own son, uh, my youngest son. And I said, you need to believe in yourself like we believe in you. And, uh, oh, that's and, that, and that's what, and that's what uh, Jim Garrett said to, to Jason uh, as he reported. And I think that's such a, that's a, that's a wonderful uh, epitaph to have that, uh, that, that, that he believed in people when they didn't. So. Uh, I, I think we should. I think you were you were great to bring that up, and thanks for doing that. So is John still there? John, are you still with us? I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I didn't know if you guys were going to say. It. I I didn't really. Know I just him. hope our listeners uh, are still with uh, us. All the stuff I really know about Jim Garrett is, is reading the stuff from 
that the morning news, like you guys have written in the past, um, I know that they were super close. The thing that stood out to me the most um, about him from those stories is that he liked to run all the time. Yes, he'd run like around the house. He would run every single day. So the idea of somebody being like that and then being bedridden, it just that just seems on, like that would be absolute hell. It's a, it's a great on days that the weather uh, was did not was not, not did conducive, not conducive to running. He would run around the house. Yeah, that's great. That's great stuff, isn't it? Well, you know, John, that's the thing. You, you all know this because you're just a young pup, but uh, but very <laughs> little people get a happy ending. Uh, so uh, I, I think that uh, you're just going to have to prepare yourself for that. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to make this turn this into something. Uh, <laughs> no, that's sentimental. Quite, I just that's quite I just felt right. like it was something worth sharing. <laughs> no, no, no. It was worth sharing, and I like that. Because uh, I said, listen, let's. Uh, no matter what you think about Jason Garrett, let's give him this time here, and uh, and and certainly the a very difficult time for him, and and um, and trying to keep up the, the job, which is a tough job being the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Here, here, here's a little note: Jim Garrett was 87 when he passed away. Yeah, he did not have a cell phone. Is that right? I used to have to call him at home. You know, I, have on a, the home phone. I have a number, so I guess that is the home number. Yeah, that's the home number. Oh, that's yeah, he, yeah. He, oh my gosh! I don't well, think he had a cell phone. That's disappointing. I, I was hoping that he followed me on Twitter, but oh well. <laughs> uh, well, he he might have followed you on his iPad. There you go. There you go. <laughs> John Machado, it's been great having you on, man. We appreciate you taking the time. It's always good to talk to you and and, uh, and get these insights on what was going on and what's on the bus and how everything's going. Uh, you know, you, you could have. Uh, you know, why didn't you say to Jerry, "Listen, let's me and you let's ride back on the bus together." Let me drive you, things. Jerry. Yeah. Let me show for you. Babe. I'll drive the bus, and then you can talk. You and Jerry can sit was, there. In the you know, that is a good suggestion. He was just so. Uh, he was such a nice man for giving us more than just that thirty minutes. I was, gonna, I wasn't going to make it any worse on him. But you, you, know, you know, I honestly will say this: I do believe he enjoys that. I oh, never once talked to him. No, where I felt like it was it was too much, and that he wanted it to end. I mean, Jason Garrett, we were talking the other day, and he was like, "We good here, guys? Are we good?" Because I mean, this thing feels like it's been going on forever, and we just kind of start laughing. And he's like, "But no, no, I mean, in a good way, in a good way." But you could just—he doesn't genuinely like Jerry Jones. Genuinely, I like talking to people. I can tell you from personal experience: if you ask for ten minutes with Jerry Jones, that's at least an hour. Yeah, and then and at the end, you're 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 looking. I'm looking at my watch. I'm going, "Well, thanks, Jerry." He goes, and he'll look at you. Go, where do you want to go? You know, like yeah. Let, let's don't con- don't let's you want to con- be here doing this? Let's let's continue. Oh, let's I, continue I, th- this. I think it's absolutely the truth. I think he loves talking to people. So, in saying that, real quick, why? Like, don't you think? Like, they always talk about time is money. Like, how much? You know, how much is his minute worth? Too. That's the part that I always think about for a billionaire like that. That he spends all that time. And he never cuts any of that stuff off, and he and and he always has time for. Oh, for his money's like his money's working for him, John. Don't don't worry about that. He's, he's got, he's got him, people out there. Be like, I got better things to be doing than talking to you right now. Oh no no, he's he that, his money's working for him, and he's, and he's got people out there making sure that money's working for him. I, I don't I don't I don't, point, I don't I don't picture him as a micromanager on those kind of things. Oh, I, I think he, he he knows what's going on. But I think he realizes that that, that this uh, he's got the so right guy people, doing it, right? You got the right people doing it. But these that the time I spend doing this, uh, cultivating these people and talking to these people and giving them what they want, and uh, and the more stories that are getting written about it, the better it is for the brand. And he he understands that, yeah, uh, and that's correct. That is the genius of of Jerry and, and the business part of all that is it. He does get that, you know. I, you know, there was no harsher critic in the early years uh, of him than Frank Luxa, who was 
who was very friendly with a lot of the people out there in that organization. And as you as you people may recall, that Jerry fired. Jerry fired of. all of them. He he got rid of everybody when he came in as uh, the owner. And Frank was just writing stories, ripping Jerry left and right for all of these firings, and it was personal with Frank. And he went out of his way to cultivate Frank and, 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 and kept trying and kept trying and never got mad at him, never, never bristled at the columns that, uh, that Frank was writing. He just kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. And, and you know, it got, it got better over there. The relationship got better over the years because Jerry just tried so hard. So, you know, I, hey, at the very end, uh, the last question that we, we uh, got in with him was about Gil Brandt and, uh, just kind of his impact, obviously, with him having a chance going to the Hall of Fame. And he mentioned in there the way Gil was when Jerry came in and, like, let everybody go. And then I guess Gil said to reporters, like, this this, this kid's in over his head. And he said that he never took it personal and that uh, he even joked that, yeah, you know what, he probably was right at the time. Like, looking back on it, I probably was a little in over my head with a lot of stuff he was doing. So you see a lot more of that of a Jerry Jones than probably what you saw of him when he first, you know, purchased the franchise. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, John, we're going to let you go. We, we appreciate it. We've got to do a little baseball podcast here. We've, got to, we've had a couple of other ones that we've well, done. Well, well, we also had, hey, Fran Freshella was on. And you know where Fran is today? This will well, this. warm the cockles of your heart. He's in Detroit. Oh, okay. oh! See, he's for the. He said he was going to go by and, and visit your parents. Are they are are they in the neighborhood up there? Nah, they're probably about an hour hour north of Detroit. But I mean, that would be nice. I, I got a chance to talk to him one time at a Final Four. Very, very nice. And, 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 and he, of course, he lives in uh, University Park down here. But he was. He was going. He was telling us about the neighborhoods he's visited, the Greek town. Greek and town is Greek town a great place to go. It is. It's. It's. Uh, there's a Greek town casinos down there. It's a very nice, walkable. It's very close to the stadiums down there. Um, yeah. No. It's. A, it's a nice part of Detroit for sure. Wait. Are the stadiums are downtown in Detroit. Is that what you're saying? All of them now. <laughs> all they of them, them now. All down re- there. Like just like. No. Never mind. No. Downtown Arlington. Downtown. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, John. No problem, guys. John, John, that's John Machoda. Machoda, Machoda, Machoda. Yeah, pronounce it correctly. John, are you there? You? No, he's, he's gone. gone. He's gone. Uh, he's always great to have John on. He's fun. You, he lets you his tell. friends call him Machoda. Yeah, way. John just go. I tell you what, he was not ready to jump off either, was he? He got a little bit of that. He's Jerry got that Jerry Jones, Jones just Jerry yeah, Jones he, gene in him. He's thinking these guys might be able to do something for my career. I'll stay on. That's with a them mistake, as John. As long as I can. That's a huge. If he was thinking that, he was wrong. Yeah, he was. Okay, so now we, we've, uh, as we mentioned, we've had a, uh, a college, college basketball. basketball. Talked about the Big Twelve. Talked about the mock draft. Talked about oh, who might help the Mavericks. Uh, who might help the Mavericks the best? You know what? That, that was I think that was really interesting too. I think you were you weren't seeing that coming, were you? No, Jared, I, I no Jared Jackson Jr. No, especially when I mentioned Bamba, the uh, seven foot one freak. Seven, is that well? I don't like the use of that word. You don't like the word freak? No. Uh, with, with with the unbelievable reach and, and seven, wingspan seven, nine of weak wingspan, and and Fran is not not high on him. Well, you know, right I, now anyway. Yeah, but here's the thing. Uh, with a lot of these guys is that, um, you know, maybe you, maybe these guys aren't ready to play right well, away. Well, the Mavericks can't afford to have No, they can't. Can't afford to bring in guys. Well, they can have them. a guy. They can have a guy be okay for a couple years. Listen, here's the, here's the deal. I know. They're not going to be great next year anyway. No. But they got to sell tickets, too. They do. Well, you got to see potential. Well, you, you, if you if you're going to sell out every game, you got you better sell out, you better sell some tickets. I tell you what. If, that's if, a joke. And here's the thing. If you bring. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like that. 
that if Jackson really is that, then we got to move on. All right, we got we have to go. They're going to turn our podcasting studio into a TV studio. Here. What's up with that? I don't know. The KXAS Channel Five will use it. We use our studio for a uh, a hit. I think that's what they call it in the TV biz. A hit with a Dallas Morning News reporter today. I'm not quite sure who it'll be. Who? Oh, Robert Wolanski, not a reporter. Ooh, the Robert Wolanski, the reporter. I think we even have to leave the room when he comes in. Uh, we have to bow. We yeah. don't. We don't have. We, we have don't to have bow. to leave the room. Yeah, we have there, to bow. There you go. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This was our Cowboy podcast, and we still have a Ranger podcast and a college basketball podcast. So for Kevin Sherrington, for Evan Grant, who's on his way down right now from the doctor's office, I want to say bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.